and Burden. The time is 10.33. Now, I promised you that we were going to speak to um, naturopath Philip Watkins, and he is online at the moment. Good morning to you, Philip. Good morning, Sadia. It's uh, nice to be back on. Happy Easter, a belated Easter to everyone on the show. To you, to you too. And you're on holiday at the moment. You're in Perth, are you? I am still, yeah, on holiday. Um, I've been uh, taking a break. We've been catching up, introducing our daughter to more family. So um, it's been nice. That sounds lovely. Now, um, an interesting subject you're talking about. It's um, the inflammatory index. Now, (laughs) I haven't told anyone. (laughs) I have no idea what it's about. So uh, I'm going to leave it to you now. (laughs) What is this? Well, look, I think we've, we've gone through, I think we've gone through alcohol, we've gone through coffee. And interestingly, this the, the we're going to talk about something that's a little bit more innovative and bleeding edge, if you like, today, and talk about something called the Dietary Inflammatory Index. And it's only in its second iteration now from a research standpoint. But what it does is, and the reason why I think it's been quite popular through my own channels is that it, it starts to bring together or link, if you like, diet, inflammation, and disease development. And we often, we now know that, you know, diet in some cases can reduce, you know, mortality risk and reduce the possibility of developing really serious illnesses. The science is there. In some cases, in a UK study, we saw that they kind of estimate now that a 70% reduction in chronic disease development if they shifted the diet across um, for the whole country. So that, that, I guess, Mm. just to preface, you know, why this is an interesting one, but this index has 45 different parameters and it measures how pro-inflammatory a diet might be. And the reason why this is uh, an interesting one is that three out of five people globally die from an illness that is inflammatory associated or you know, has chronic inflammation at its origin. So if you're new to that, that's stroke, you know, chronic respiratory illnesses, uh, heart, cardiovascular, obesity and diabetes all have inflammation at their core. So it's quite interesting now that we're able to somewhat you know, look at this uh, as a uh, another way of, of helping people. Yeah, it's funny that because, as you said, the the percentage of people who are suffering from, um, you know, this inflammatory thing, it seems to be coming out a lot in terms of whenever you're thinking about disease, people say, no, you know, anti-inflammatory, you should be having this, you should be having that. So there seem to be a lot of things that are connected to that. I mean, from arthritis to, um, you know, I suppose, you know, the, the you know, your heart heart disease and things like that. It's all related, isn't it? That's right, it is. And it's becoming the connection now between how the public health systems of the world in different regions, obviously, how they're tackling uh, people's diets and how that message is coming across is now becoming more and more important because the burden of healthcare in relation to how the modern healthcare system in different regions may be able to handle the increase uh, in these illnesses in the sense that they're not something that you go and have one or two visits around. This is, you know, for some people, a, you know, 10-year, 20-year relationship with the healthcare system once you get that diagnosis. 
So the idea is is that by 2030, you know, we use 70% in one way, uh, you know, around uh, a UK study, but they reckon that by 2030, we're going to see 70% more chronic illness, which suggests that the modern healthcare system may really struggle. And to your point around inflammation in the diet now, we're now, it's very important, excuse me, to try and hand over some of the responsibility to ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, to potentially manage this risk as our opportunities to access help may not be as uh, abundant as as they have been in the past or at least as as time goes on so it'll be it's really a very innovative way of looking at how diet may be able to help but also how diet may be actually able to you know increase your health span which is now a very key word in the sense that we've concentrated on lifespan or you know i think we've talked about the difference between lifespan and health span on the show before and that lifespan is just the number of years but how many of those years Mm. are actually healthy and this inflammatory index and looking at different parameters of the diet seems to uh, point to being able to extend that health span. Now, I assume this inflammatory index is now available uh, across the board in terms of people to look at it for statistics and stuff. How is it going to help us? I mean, who's going to use those? We know now that, yes, there are so many diseases linked to this, but given all that information that is there, how is it going to benefit us? Is that going to be something that governments are going to have to look at or it's handed back to us, certainly, on a day-to-day basis? What do we gain from this? That's a fantastic question. I think the the benefits are twofold. Uh, I think I would caveat this with the notion that it is still, you know, in its second iteration and they're still trying to kind of nail down the right parameters. But to answer your question, it should be health, both healthcare practitioners in the, in their ability to give their patients more access to practical things mm. that are more specific around diet than just you should eat more fruits and vegetables or you should, you know, you know, these more kind of broader things around. I think cholesterol is a good example where I've had a especially men, and I think we've touched on this in the show in other segments, but men often say, you know, they get a high cholesterol count and that you should look after your diet, come back in, you know, 12 weeks, six months or whatever. And, you know, even just that ambiguity there. So to, to make a point, you know, actually getting something that's a little bit more specific, a little bit more actionable for both healthcare practitioners and patients is going to be very important. But I think also building on that, one of the reasons why this is, quite interesting and and I hope that it will be beneficial is that we can measure the inflammation in the blood and we can actually get some quantifiable data around whether or not the diet is working and this is where now we get these good opportunities to say well okay is the diet working for you are the action points that you're taking giving you the benefits that we're hoping that they will. Mm, mm. And if not, can we build on it? You know, how do we how do we work on that? So I think to your question, hopefully there'll be a few benefits in being able to measure it, but also being more specific. I think um, sometimes, you know, when we do say put the onus on us to say, look, you've just got to, it's a simple, uh, it's a simple sort of statement to say, okay, you need to go and change your diet. You need to change your lifestyle. You need to be eating better. And that is going to directly affect your health. 
But I suppose it's the logistics of just kind of starting. If you've got a family, you know that this is a problem. You know, it's sometimes it's always put on the woman that, okay, now you've got to do the shopping and make sure you get the right vegetables in and things. You know, <laughs> like where do we go to get the guidelines as to how best to deal with that? Because I think people get a bit overwhelmed and they think, oh my goodness, uh, how do I deal with this? Where do I start? Yeah, that's that's a really great point. And I think the... The starting point really comes down to fruits and vegetables and you know, looking at five cups of fruits and vegetables a day as a starting point. The Mediterranean diet seems to be the structure of diet that is considered to be best scored on the index at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, alcohol and tobacco obviously change that score as well, which is a recent addition. So the... One of the more interesting things I think around your point about where to start is often also what you don't do. Mm. And I think for some of us, uh, especially in more Western-oriented regions, um, or maybe this isn't the case as much as it used to be, it might be more global, but just, you know, I make a I make a joke sometimes of just not eating like an eight-year-old, you know, not eating McDonald's for breakfast mm. every day. You know, some of these things, it's more around what you don't do first that, really do make a difference for example one of the parameters on that push the the inflammatory score up in the index are sugary soft drinks Mm -hmm. and so simply cutting those out can have an influence on that score and then slowly but surely hopefully see the changes in the blood and changes in the disease origins as well so there can be some smaller steps that may not be necessarily starting something new but taking away something old it's i suppose it's like lots of things that we have talked about with you on the show where it goes back to the kind of basics and the roots of where all this starts because you know just what we're you know how we condition our children in terms of what they're eating and what's given to them in their lunchbox it really does go down to the right start, you know, from a very early age, it's just that if we can put that kind of mentality into people that, look, you've got to just watch these soft drinks, you've got to watch these sugary buns and things like that. But, you know, we're bombarded by stuff like that, aren't we? Yeah, I've always kind of said that, you know, if you look at, um, I guess to make a small deviation, but to contextualize a point, you know, in spirituality, you often see that the simplest things are the hardest to do. You know, if you We've done a segment on meditation before, and if you, you know, simplify it, meditation is just you know, breathing in and out mm, <laughs> repetitively, mm. right? It's you know, it's often the simplest things that are the hardest to do. And I think when you are presented with so much information, but also uh, there are heavily opinionated versions of that information as well. I think one of the other things that it's is that we can measure this now and. Sometimes if you're able to set a goal with a time period on that where you say, okay, I'm going to make an effort to eat, you know, let's say double my fruit and vegetable intake and take away soft drink out of my diet and then I'm going to remeasure, I'm going to ask my healthcare practitioner to remeasure my blood in three months or Mm -hmm. six months and get some feedback on that. I think this is where that dietary, the inflammatory index kind of, makes it a little different in the sense that we can now get proper feedback on those dietary changes, which can help you to know that you're doing the right thing for you, as opposed to, to your point, around these kind of more generalized 
kind of statements that we should or shouldn't be doing, yeah, which can yeah. kind of be hard to personalize, right? I think uh, a lot of it too, I find that, you know, routine, obviously, I mean, we, we're talking about holidays on the program today. And, uh, you know, when you go off on a holiday, then, you know, the floodgates are open, you can eat what you like, you can do what you like. But I think generally in your everyday life, I find things like uh, having a set routine about stuff helps, especially in that diet thing. Because, you know, at home, I always in the evening, we always have cut fruit, we'll always try and have a, a good portion of fruit a couple of hours, you know, an hour or so after dinner or something. But that's such a routine that it's part of a norm now that we we tend to do it. So maybe developing those kind of habits might just help bringing in bringing in that those kind of good foods i suppose yeah i, I definitely agree it's it's more about kind of building blocks and, yeah. and uh really just taking smaller steps but I, I think also the what i find through i guess my work in the clinic as well is that it's got to be something that's more personal and unique to your situation so for example the Mediterranean diet, if we were to use that as a structure uh, or an example, would be good for um, you know cardiovascular disease, but may not be good for other forms of chronic illness. You know, for example, osteoarthritis or something like mm. that. So, I think trying to, if you are looking to use diet as a therapy as opposed to um, you know something something different, as in extending your life or something like that then you can actually personalize it a little bit more and know that these small steps. So, for example, we've talked about fiber on the show before. So that fruit, that cut fruit that you're having is giving you, you know, forms of soluble fiber and potentially uh, other forms of nutrition that you may not necessarily be privy to, which then will improve certain markers in certain groups of chronic diseases that you may be generationally more vulnerable to. So the, these small steps can go a long way. And like you said, if you can get them into a routine. So, for example, while we're on holiday with our daughter, we still we move from vegetables to fruit because she's more active. And it's just a subtle mm. change. Mm -hmm. But we know, you know, I, I, obviously I, I probably might be a little <laughs> over <-invested. laughs> she's, she's very, she's lucky to have you as a dad to be able to do all that, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But on the same hand, I'm, you know, it, it's just once again, there's small changes. It doesn't mean you don't have to be healthy or, you know, you can still enjoy your food and you can still do these things, but you can personalize it again, I guess, is the message. But I suppose the other thing is, is that, you know, you've got to remember that these changes that you make will take time. Um, you know, you don't see the results of, you know, if you suddenly change your diet to fruit or whatever, it's going to take a while before you see it. So as you said, like, you know, you do, say, a blood test after three months, like, especially if you've been diagnosed with, say, you know, prediabetes or something like that, mm. it will take mm. at least three to six months before you see any results that that, that are making the change, Right. That's correct. And that, from my point of view as a healthcare practitioner, that's actually better because it gives you a better chance of those habits becoming a little bit more sustainable over the long term in the sense that you can become more used to it. But also, the, this is where I often associate nutrition and financial health together because you don't, you know, you don't get rich overnight. You don't, you know, you don't become wealthy overnight either. Mm -hmm. And 
the notion that it takes time to find the right diversification. It takes time mm-hmm. to, you know, I guess for want of a better way of, of saying it, get the best asset allocation and all these types of things. This is this is where you can start to see that these things do take time. Yeah. And when they do kind of mature, if you like, if I was to continue on with that, then you really do start to see those benefits. And those benefits can be very much in your favor over the long term as well and this is what the science is starting to show with the dietary inflammatory index specifically now in some of the early research being uh, associated with high levels of depression um, also high levels of inflammatory bowel syndrome as well and as i said we're starting to really now draw together uh, these longer term benefits but also you're managing to avoid these types of things and later on in life can once again have huge benefits in relation to you know, how your you know last two decades will will unfold mm. so it's um yeah it's it could really change the way we look at diet in, yeah. in uh in hopefully in in the, in the next 10 years or so. Well, some very important things to think about there. Philip, thank you so much. Uh, it's really important to keep those in mind because, you know, we can all do our little bit. And I think at the end of the day, it is up to us really, isn't it? It is. And, you know, once again, don't, don't underestimate your, your own power. Yeah. Because I think that's that's one of the other kind of key messages out of this is that it's, it's in your hands if you want it to be. And it doesn't take much that's right. So now, when are you back to Hong Kong? I'm uh, doing the red eye on Saturday night. <laughs> okay. So um, if you see, see me around Hong Kong on Monday or I'm Tuesday. looking a bit of a zombie. Um, <laughs> be, be gentle. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Philip, for taking the time out during well, your holiday anyway. But it's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. All right. See you then. Thanks Bye-bye. Again.